He's got the interviews, let's get to know the best you like it. Matthew Widoso. Hello, welcome to a slightly different version of Jacobites. Jacobites. I love that, David. That's the best title I've ever heard for anything. It's uh, it's better it's better than Pride and Prejudice. Uh, my name's uh, Matthew, and in a reverse, I shall be hosting tonight's podcast because my esteemed one of my esteemed guests is David, who normally hosts. David, say hello. Hello. That's a brilliant. What a hello. We're off to a flying start. Hello. And then um, on my video in my bottom left is uh, the enigmatic and highly impressive uh, Danny. Danny, do you want to say hello? Hello. Not, not quite as good, but we'll work on that. <laughs> hello. So we've obviously had two of these podcasts so far and they've been, have we had two or have I just made that up? Two. You were in two, one and, I was in one of them. That's all I remember because I was in it, though. So I don't really remember other people. David, being uh, the organised, wonderful person that he is, sent me some fantastic notes for hosting uh, this podcast. I've yet to read that email, so I'm going to wing it uh, and uh, just do it in my normal style. I didn't even prepare a a speech for my wedding. Uh, I literally did it off the cuff. And uh, I think things come across more natural and much more offensive that way. So we'll we'll go with that. So... Um, so welcome everyone uh, who's uh, who's listening. It's lovely uh, to know that you're out there. Uh, we're going to be talking a little bit a little bit about the two guests I've got here, and uh, and then obviously about the uh, the characters they're playing in the film that's being produced by Jacobite Productions, Thirteenth Day of Christmas, which is fantastic, and and see what the guys think of that, and uh, and yeah, we'll see uh, we'll see how we get on. So we'll start with David because David's used to the format, and hopefully that'll get things off to a flying start and give me a chance to think of something clever to say. Uh, so David, why don't you? Because you've been in the seat the whole time. Why don't you give us uh, a tiny little bit of background on yourself previous to joining up with Jacobite Productions? Um, well, I'm from Leicester, and I've often done acting and stuff around Leicester and at the moment I'm in a another group called the Ratai who've been going for about 70 years good plug I'm (laughs) yeah they'd like thanks for that the most ones I've done with them lately have been pantomimes but recently I worked with a chap called Nat Gibbard on a Christmas Carol and he just randomly out of the blue got in touch with me about a year ago and said I've got a friend in Kettering who's doing a, a musical I don't want to play the part because it's a bit vulgar so um, a bit vulgar <laughs> so uh, we do like to try for it and I was was got in touch by, by um, Charlotte uh, Hansen who said uh, nice to meet you uh, we'd like you to be in this thing can you do a singing audition for us why don't you tell us about the exceptional circumstances that your audition took place and <laughs> um, yeah, so I, I uh, basically had to record the audition in time for the following day. And my parents were home and I didn't want to do it while they were in the house. So I took the keys, went into the car and sang uh, Defying Gravity into my phone. And that was my singing audition. Perfect. We're, we're a real class outfit, aren't we? We set the bar so high. I mean, that's sensational. No studio, no, nothing like that. Just get in your car and sing into your iPhone. Other phones are available. Well, they're not, but you know. It's supposed to say that. Thank you, David. Okay, Danny, same question to you, please, if you can remember what it was. Yeah, hi, hello, I'm Danny. I am from Evansville, Indiana, which um, nobody knows where that is, but it is at the toe of the boot of Indiana. Is Indiana shaped like a boot? Okay. I'm, sh- I'm sure that helps our English audience with their geography massively. And um, yeah, I moved to the UK two 
years ago or so. Um, and I met you all through a lovely post on the UK Actors Facebook page and auditioned for the role of Pam or Rihanna or whoever. You also, uh, you also auditioned for um, Rihanna, didn't you, as well? I remember it was a double audition, wasn't it? Yes. Which, uh, which of the two characters, you can say it now because we started filming, which of the two characters were you hoping to get? I was hoping to get Pam because she's really messed up and I really like playing messed up characters. Well, we'll, uh, we'll talk about how messed up Pam is uh, <laughs> shortly. So uh, th those are our, our two guests, two wonderful people. I think, um, so, so talking about the film, 13th Day of Christmas, written by Dan Brothers, which obviously uh, I'm directing along with Charlotte Howley and Dan, who's uh, assistant director, and then Ferris, obviously, who's our technical director. And uh, things have been going really, really well. I think, uh, I hope you'll both agree from what you've seen through rehearsals and the filming that we've done so far that the film is a very intriguing piece especially in the era it's set. I think audiences watching it are going to have a lot of questions, like good questions before and after, and it's going to leave a lot of thoughts in their mind. But I think the biggest question that audiences all over the planet uh, are going to want to know is, and this is for you, Danny, I think that the, the biggest question is in, uh, in America, why don't you pronounce the H in herb? <laughs> you know what's really funny? Yes. I recently moved to a I recently moved within within London, but my postcode now has an H in it. A H, if you will. No, an H. Don't don't do that ever again. A H. Every time I say my postcode, um, so to sign up for my vaccine the other day, just you know, to get a new GP, all the things you have to do. When I say my postcode, the person on the other end always corrects me. They always say, Oh, H. H, yeah, 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 okay. <laughs> so, 13th Day of Christmas. It's a fantastic film. I'm really excited to be a part of it. Um, obviously, we started rehearsals during the pandemic, which obviously is still going on. Hopefully, it's getting better. It's drawing to a close. And obviously, we wish everyone that's been affected by it all the best. But we started uh, uh, during the pandemic. We've had to take pauses. And then we literally had to wait for permission uh, from a member of parliament to start filming. So starting with David and then going on to Danny, maybe you could just tell us a little bit about some of the trials and, and problems and, uh, and challenges we've had uh, whilst trying to put a film together during a pandemic. Well, the main thing for me was initially it was when it was a stage play. I mean, I was playing a character called Johnny and I had to get from here to Northampton very quickly on the train to do that. And I said, oh, I can't do it like that and especially it got difficult when Leicester was one of these no travel zones so but then I came back when one chap um dropped out and I got this much bigger part I don't know it made it I mean to be honest I don't feel I got too affected by the lockdown doing this film is has been a lot easier than trying to do anything on stage because we've still been able to go to places and do scenes um I don't know how long ago it was that we were intending on filming it to begin with November, October. Well, yeah, so so just to pick up on a couple of points that you said there, David, you, you mentioned obviously originally it was a stage play. It was written. So originally when I received the script from, from Dan Brothers, um, not to blow smoke up Dan too much, but it, it was such a good script. I, I'm, I'm notorious for never reading scripts. I once directed a whole play, which I said in my podcast, without ever reading the script. Um, 
and um, I, I sat in my back garden. It was during the pandemic. Uh, I wasn't working because uh, everyone was off work and what have you. And I sat in my garden and, and thought, I'll read a few pages and then I can sort of blag that I've read it. And I read the whole thing in one go. I couldn't put it down. It was sensational. And at the time, it was, it was a much shorter script and it was written for, stay, uh, for film. And I convinced Dan that we should do it as a stage play, which we later then, after adding to the script and, and making some fantastic, like real four-dimensional characters, turned it back into a film once we, we realised we'd be able to do that. So that's the reason uh, that we, uh, we were originally a stage play and we switched to it and why there was some change in uh, cast personnel and characters, which was really exciting. Um, Danny, if you, Danny, I know, obviously David has a bit of a way to travel for where we, we do most of the filming and where we do our rehearsals and what have you coming from Leicester. Obviously, you've had uh, even further to travel. How have you found it working in a pandemic? Um, it's been tough, but well, mostly because I had never met you all aside from online until mm. Christmas time mm. when we did the uh, Christmas Carol play. Well, experience? Ex uh, you Mercy can call it experience. what you want. Yes, Christmas I think, I think yeah. Yeah, so I... You know, I was kind of like going in blind with it, and all of our all of our rehearsals were online, and so I didn't feel like I got to really connect with anyone, you know, or get to know anyone. But that all changed with okay. the Christmas. If I could just say, I thought it was really strange because, of course, we we only met doing rehearsals, and of course, you're playing this character who we'll go into later. Yes. But well, because uh, my, my character is uh, awful. But then the first thing I seem to recall say, you saying to us when I actually met you was, hi guys, I brought brownies. Does anyone want one? <laughs> <laughs> so un-Pam. Yeah, very un-Pam. Uh, just, you, you, Danny, you just said obviously about what we, we did at Christmas time and David coincidentally mentioned that he got involved with Jacobite Productions because he did a production of Christmas Carol with another theatre group and met Nat Gibbard, who's a good friend of ours. Um, yeah. And it's just, um, it just occurred to me that it's quite ironic that the first time you two worked together was during our performance slash experience of, uh, of Christmas Carol at, at Wicksteed Park. It really perhaps, brings um, people together. Yeah, but perhaps, perhaps both of you of could just, uh, just give us a bit of a, a rundown of how, um, how that worked out for you doing the Christmas Carol experience at Wicksteed and what it was about, the characters you played and what have you. Um, well, I got a ra I was out with my friend and I got a ran. I just said to her, I've just got a really random message that says, Do you want to be Charles Dickens? <laughs> <laughs> and, That's uh, how we cast, <laughs> and of course, you say yes, yes. And it, I got a response from Matthew saying, Oh, yes, we're doing this thing at Wicks D Park. Oh, when is it? Yeah, next week, uh, right. Uh, I've got a script. I wrote it in about half an hour in the back of my car <laughs> up from work. Okay, so we got this script. We had no rehearsal time. We did, our first <laughs> go was on the go. And I did have a script, but I was supposed to sort of improvise a lot for because of I was playing Charles Dickens, the narrator. But, and I thought I was going to be terrible at that I, because I'm sometimes a bit nervous with that sort of thing. But And I really enjoyed it in the end. I'll say for you, David, I thought, yeah, I thought you did brilliantly. I thought you were, you were more than I hoped you would be in the role of Charles Dickens. And I think people really did feel like they were talking to Charles Dickens. Um, Danny, was your process of casting you in your role, which you'll tell us what the role was, was that as professional as the way David got cast? Uh, it was, yeah. So there was, yeah. a, hey, we're doing a... We're doing a an experience, a play in Wixie <laughs> Park, <laughs> whatever it was, Wixie mm -hmm. Park the experience. I think it was on the 13th day of Christmas page 
I was like, hey, we need some some people. And I was like, I could do something. And then I was Miss Cratchit, Mrs. Cratchit. I had to figure out how to do a Cockney accent. <laughs> terribly, terribly bad. Can you, um, give us, can you give us a sample of it now for the, for the audience? Oh, God. Back? Bob Cratchit, what are you doing? <laughs> I tell you what, I don't... I don't know if I've told you this before, Danny, and I honestly, it's a true story, but I can't remember who said it. But after, uh, when we'd, we'd complete, we did three shows on the day, and um, which was a big ask, and the audiences were a, a hundredfold more than we thought they were going to be. Uh, so it was a lot of work, and everyone did ever so well. But it was a very busy day, and obviously you were in character more or less the whole day. And then at the end of the day, when we were back in the studio, sort of getting changed and packing away and what have you, you were talking to someone. I can't remember who it was, but someone came over to me and said, why is that girl talking with an American accent now? Because <laughs> they genuinely thought that you were, that was your, your the, the voice you were doing for Mrs. Cratchit was who you were. Um, oh, that's so, great. Great to testament, know. Testament to how, how brilliant you were. It was, uh, it was, it was yeah. a great experience. Yeah, fantastic. I had to really stay in character to keep that accent on or I would just forget it. It was brilliant. Okay, so moving on to moving on to thirteenth day of Christmas. I, we don't want any um and any spoilers or anything, but we can be we can go into a bit of detail. Obviously, you've obviously got very. So for the audience who don't know, uh, David and Danny play a married couple, and um, they're very contrasting characters, and the dynamic plays out really, really well. I feel, and it will catch a lot of people off guard. So you can talk about your. Your, the, the, the dynamic between the two characters and what your character traits are and what have you uh, without giving too much away. We'll start with Danny this time. Yeah. Your character's pretty much a sociopath. Yeah. Uh, not giving anything away, is it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Not giving too much away, though. Yeah. Um, why, don't you, why don't you tell us a little bit about, I mean, I, I'm guessing that your your what we've seen so far, you've been so good at the role. I'm guessing because you've got similar traits to Pam. Uh, why don't you Why don't you tell us a little bit about the character? Yeah, so so Pam is uh, aptly put a sociopath. Um, she is she's trying to, I think, in a way. So this is my this is my take on Pam. She's trying to make up for some shortcoming or something in her own life. She doesn't feel good enough. Something by being the most controlling, awful wife she can be. And I don't know, I love playing really messed up characters, so I love her a lot um, in all her sociopathic tendencies. <laughs> on, um, on, on a serious note with the character, it does touch on some, um, she touches on, uh, for audiences watching, she touches on some aspects that some people might find uncomfortable and some people might be familiar with as well. And, you know, it's, it's as, uh, our job as performers when we're portraying a character who has... Um, these traits and does things um, that she does. We, you know, we can mention that there's, um, you know, things along the lines of, of domestic abuse and what ha have you. Do, do you feel a, a level of responsibility with that to, to portray it in the right way? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's interesting that you say that because... Um, Thank you. You know, <laughs> you're welcome. Um, I, one thing is, one thing that I know is that domestic abuse is typically talked about in in terms of uh, a male to a female, I guess. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. A male being abusive towards a female. Not not always, obviously, but I think that's nine out of 10 cases we hear, we hear about, really. 
Um, so I think this kind of turns it on his head, its head a little bit because she is very abusive to him. Um, and, you know, not just emotionally abusive, she's physically abusive towards him. Um, but it's very, you know, he doesn't have bruises necessarily. We can't see that, but, you know, maybe his mates couldn't see that, but the audience will. Yeah, absolutely. And and David, uh, playing a character who who's obviously suffering these abuses in, in, a, in a, a domestic relationship. Do you feel, again, a, a level of responsibility because your character deals with these things in a very, uh, a very asymptomatic way that, that I think most men probably would deal with this if they were faced with it. How, how does that make you feel? I'm going to sound terrible here because I don't really, <laughs> I've not really gone into much of a like methody sort of approach or anything like that. I just think, go through it as an approach of a you know am I going to sound silly if I sort of yelp or whatever at this particular point or how I'm behaving in this particular so I suppose I'm just looking at more of an active acting perspective rather than having any sort of social awareness of it can I just say your answer there David sounded so nervous that I'm worried that Danny's actually abusing you and making sure that uh, <laughs> you don't you don't say anything that you shouldn't say. Well, it's more a case of um, yeah, sometimes now... He's nowadays, actually across the table and I'm pinching him underneath the table. It <laughs> reminds me of a very good story on a film set uh, with Laurence Olivier, Lord Olivier, and, uh, and the fabulous Dustin Hoffman, where Dustin Hoffman was placed ah. a down and out. And, uh, Olivia, and Dustin Hoffman came into the studio one day and, and sat with Lawrence Olivier and said, hey, I'm going to try it. And he says, he says I, I'm so immersed in this character, you know, I decided last night I would I would go out and sleep on the streets with some winos and spend the night drinking alcohol. And I feel disheveled. I haven't washed. And I really feel like I've got to know the character very well. And Lawrence Olivier looked at him and said, my dear boy, why don't you simply try acting? <laughs> Which oh, it's marathon, I love man. that. I love that. Yeah. I absolutely love it. Yeah, but but that's is, not to is, say I, I, I don't have strong opinions on the thing, just not in terms of the acting, the part is not really something I've thought of when I'm acting it. Well, that's good because yeah. I think actors do things differently, don't they? Some actors, they find that immersing themselves in a character is really important. Some actors feel that doing it, I mean, I, myself, like I said, I'm notorious for not reading the scripts and a lot of people think that's unprofessional. Um, but I find that if I learn my lines the day before or on the day, what I do comes across much more naturally and, and less, for want of a better word, less rehearsed. It comes across more naturally. And my character, I, that's, you know, I become my character on the day like that. And how I deliver those lines is how I would deliver them in my character if those things were happening to me. Whereas some people don't feel comfortable doing that. Some people like to really think about it and, and research it and what have you. There's, there's lots of different ways of doing it. I guess there's no right and wrong, is there? Well, the thing I like with Roger as well is that you do see the other side of him. Like when he's at work, he's um, fairly chilled out. You get the impression, you know, he's quite well liked by his um, his fellow coppers. But uh, when they go out down to the pub or whatever, he, you know, they have a good drink and he's very supportive when he thinks that one of them might have been being talked to inappropriately by Matthew. Mm. Um, no, though i that that is true he's like you see all of the sides of him uh, well i suppose that's part of like you were saying about uh, the characters being very three-dimensional uh because uh pam wasn't in it when it was a play was she no and so roger was as well 
would have been just a bog standard cop uh, one of the coppers on the team back then okay i've um, i've just got i've got i've got one more question then we're going to do a few quick fire questions uh, and then we can uh, then we can wrap up so okay. um bearing in mind obviously we've done a fair bit of filming and we've got uh, a number of uh, the scenes between the two of you still to film which we're really looking forward to uh, to doing and that's going to be fantastic uh, my question to both of you is uh, what are your thoughts on your director? Um, Feel free to answer anytime you want. <laughs> and, and again, just remember, we have a number of your scenes coming up. Uh, well, I've just had a marathon weekend of being filmed and directed and that. And to be honest, I'd, this is going to sound bad, but it isn't supposed to be. I don't feel like I've been given a huge amount of direction. I think I've been allowed to go with how I'm playing it. And then, you know, if there is something particularly wrong, it might be, well, well, you know, why don't you try doing it like this? But it's a lot better than going, right, so we're starting the day, you do this, you do this, and you do it like this. I mean, I've I've liked that. No, 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 I, I feel I've always had the same... I mean, I've adapted here and there for bits and pieces, but I've always had a, a, a bit of a, an ethos with my directing style that I've, I've cast you or you've been cast because you can play the role and you're a fabulous actor. And um, it's not then my job to tell you who your character... Your, your job is to develop your character yourself. Now, if I say, do this, do this, and you say, well, my character wouldn't react that way. Well, he's your character. You'd know how he would react. So I want to hear what you've got to say. Um, and so I don't feel that actors if they're good actors, need to be micromanaged. I feel that you can give them the premise, explain what you want to get out of the scene or, or even get out of the character and you should be able to trust good actors to deliver that. Uh, that said, I'd, I'd have preferred if you'd said something nicer. So over to you, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that I, I really appreciate a director who, who does that, who lets you kind of bring your own ideas to it and go with your own ideas. And I have felt very validated in my ideas. Um, and even if, you know, like during the rehearsal, maybe you suggested, actually, I really loved the suggestion that I like stand there with a, well, maybe I shouldn't say too much, that I add some things prop wise and stance wise to the character in a certain scene to kind of make her seem more awful and in charge. Mm. And I love those um suggestions but yeah other than that i've kind of liked like yeah coming up with my own backstory and my own kind of way of doing it and a a democracy is a better way of running things than a dictatorship that's how i feel Uh, i I think history bears me out on that so yeah uh, yeah, you know the more ideas uh the better and i love i love that we've got such creative people involved Okay, so some quick fire questions then. And uh, we'll do David first, Danny second on, uh, on mm. all of them, uh, just to put him under the most pressure. So I'm okay. going to rip off some of the ideas that I remember from our podcast that you hosted, David. Okay. So first of all, uh, on stage or on film, most embarrassing moment, David? Ooh, I should have thought this before. I, oh, possibly uh, the last uh, pantomime I did, I was playing the, uh, the crooked man in The Old Woman Who Lived in the Shoe. And I walked out there and sort of, you, you know, you stand on the flies and you do, ah, blah, blah, blah. And some, there was like some beaver scouts or whatever in the front row and they started pelting me with sweets. <laughs> and it was, fortunately, because it's pantomime, it's like you can, 
you know, like have it. Oh, you rotten little kids, or whatever. You can get away with it, but it, it just really. Uh, I just uh, sort of stand back for a moment and think, what the hell is going on? Brilliant. That's very good, uh, Danny. Great. So I have one that's really recent. Um, I don't know if it's the most embarrassing. It's just the one I thought of the quickest. But uh, a couple weeks ago, actually, I had my first like in-person audition since forever because we've been in lockdown. And uh, it was for a show performing at the Camden Fringe, which now I want to go see now that I didn't get the part. But um, <laughs> but oh, my God, I was so nervous. I think I did OK in the actual audition. Like they sent me a, you know, a personalized thank you, which was cool. But for some reason, it was like I was so nervous that my eyebrows had a mind of their own and I could feel them. They were like doing this the whole time. They were just moving independently of me and I could feel them moving. And I was like, please stop. Please stop moving. So anyway, it's, um, that was. Yeah. It's, uh, it's funny what happens in uh, auditions, especially when it's uh, not a group that you've auditioned with before. I remember auditioning uh, a couple of years ago and I'd rehearsed uh, a piece from Julius Caesar. And I'd spent, I'd actually, I'd actually, the first time I've ever really prepared for anything, I actually stayed in a hotel the whole day before on my own in a hotel room, getting this line, this first right and doing it perfectly with actions and everything and thinking I'm going to absolutely knock their socks off. And then yeah. for no reason, no reason at all, to this day, I don't know why I did it. When I went into the audition, they said, you know, what are you going to be doing? I said, we're doing a piece from Julius Caesar. And I did it with an American accent. For no, I don't know why it happened. And I couldn't stop. I just kind of went, oh, pardon me, thou bleeding piece of earth, that I am meek and hot. I couldn't stop myself. And, uh, and they said afterwards, why, why did you choose an American accent? And I just sort of went, um, diversity? I don't know. Just, literally, I had no idea what I was doing. It was terrible. Uh, okay, David. Uh, most influential uh, actor or actress, living or dead, that uh, who's had the most effect on you? Ooh, difficult. Oh. It's difficult because I don't really follow anyone's style, but I admire like some of the old uh, style, uh, the British actors. I very much like an actor called George Sanders. He was there. Oh, yes, um, yes. Yeah, he's, he was like sort of the epitome of like the charming but devious English gentleman character. And he's very much, he just the way he carries himself, the way he plays the part so instantly. He's very smooth. And, you know, that's the kind of way I'd want to be as a performer, I suppose, as well as the fact that, but, I mean, he's got a lot of great parts, so you can't choose what parts you get. Oh, yeah. I mean, okay, Danny. a tiger in the Jungle Book. And that's <laughs> um, I would say that, so the... The reason I started acting and the reason I loved it from from like a very young age was because of Judy Garland in Wizard of Oz. Brilliant. And I just became obsessed with her after that. Like I did a report on her in like fifth grade in my choir class. I just, yeah, became really obsessed with Judy Garland. I auditioned for the fifth grade play uh, with, you know, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. <laughs> Are you going to uh, are you going to sing us a couple of bars from Over the Rainbow? <laughs> if I must, but uh, yeah, you, you, you have must, to. You yes, must. you have to. It, it's the law. It's the, I know, I know, I know. You're an immigrant here, and you don't know all of our laws, but it is the law of England. So uh, I'd have that to call the, the police law. if you no, didn't. I must sing. <laughs> okay, all right. Are we ready? Somewhere over the rainbow. Sorry, Pidgey. 
way up high. Birds fly over the rainbow wide in a white sky. I just, I just got to, to keep me. Going. No, it's just, I don't think I can take it anymore. <laughs> so pitchy. It's, it's just so, so beautiful. Warm up. <laughs> oh, I, can't, I, can't, I can't carry on. That's amazing. Well done. Uh, that was fantastic. Okay. Uh, I've never, uh, something that I've always wanted to do. I don't know why. I just think it'd be a big challenge. And I love challenges. Something I've always wanted to do either on stage or film, ideally on stage, actually, because I prefer stage acting. Something I've always wanted to do is play a homosexual, which I've never been able to do. Are there um, any uh, types of roles or situations that you would like to play that you've never played, starting with David? Bearing in mind, we've got five plays next year. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I don't know, really. Um, If I was playing, if I got to play a particular part, I'd quite like to play something like Dr. Jekyll. Uh, okay. Because it's, and to play the two parts, you can play them very much extreme either way. I mean, I love the, obviously I, know, I love the story and the films and that, but I particularly like the musical Jekyll and Hyde. But I'd love to play that part, really. Originally played by, is it Robert Maxwell, was it? No. Is it, uh, who uh, was... Who was a, a, a suspect in the Jack the Ripper case? But I can't remember. It was was it Robert Maxwell? No, Robert Richard, Maxwell. Richard Maxwell. Richard Maxwell. I think I can't remember. Anyway, Danny. Um. So I would love to. I've for a long time wanted to play really any character in a period piece. I've never really been in a period piece. Okay. Yeah. So really, anything in a period piece, I would love to do. What period? Um, yeah, what sort of pride and prejudice? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, that's a great question, also. So, uh, I would say maybe the Victorian era, okay. um, or earlier even. Um, yeah. Can I can I ask a question, Danny? Before I uh, before we I ask my last question, can I ask? I just I, I've often noticed that uh, in America, people still refer refer to uh, the sort of eighty late eight, mid to late eighteen hundreds as the Victorian era. Why Why do you do that when you were no longer part of the empire in that point. Why don't you call it whatever president you had? The 1800s. At that point? Yeah. <laughs> really why, 1800s. You, why? Why in America is it still referred to as the Victorian era? I, that's a that's a good question, actually. I don't know that I have a solid answer for you on that. Okay, oh. fifteen seconds. Sum up why people would should watch and would like Thirteenth Day of Christmas. Go, David. It's very multi-layered thing. It's got a lot of good characters. They're very dramatic in a lot of different ways, really. Brilliant, Danny. Who doesn't like a good holiday-themed slasher? Brilliant. Okay, thank you to my guests, David and Danny. I've been Matthew Widdison. Follow Jacobite Productions on Facebook. And thank you for listening. And Twitter. You never said Twitter. Yay. Oh, f***ing <laughs> Twitter. Okay. It's a dark place. He's got the interviews, he's good to know the best, you like it. Matthew Widdison. And Jacobites.